Stay in your seat. How did this come together in terms of how did you approach Rumsfeld and how did you gain access to all of these memos? I read the autobiography of the known and unknown. I read most of it. It's a cinder block of a book. Donald Rumsfeld had also put up a website in conjunction with the book where he had made available many of these memos. And the memos fascinated me. Memos are fascinating. Tonight, Providence has made another list, but this one isn't worth bragging about. Capital City has just been ranked as one of the top hundred. Mr. Dumphy, do you have a friend called Drugs? How many individuals named drugs could you possibly associate with? How many individuals named drugs could I possibly associate with? Well, let's see. There's drugs McDougal, drugs Peppertone, drugs Buddy Butt Bear, drugs Chrysanthemum, drugs The Skinny Legend, drugs Flatiron, drugs The Boingo, drugs Larson, drugs Lawson, drugs Ass Puppy, and, of course, drugs The Fuck. Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast, you oil-guzzling, war-profiteering screedlers. This is Stefan Lee, the podcast studio manager. It's Gemini season, my good bitch. And you know what that means. An evil twin coming along and casting me in a morality play. But we don't have time right now to discuss the finer points of theater, let alone duplicity. No. Because we've got a galloping and gallivanting new episode for you this week. Artist Shada Soleimani was in New York City, all the way from Providence Rock City, for her new exhibition at the Q Foundation. It's called Medium of Exchange. And it's gonna knock your fucking slippers out of your roommate's room. Get a clue, you fucking swine. Oh, and while you're at it, go support humor and the abject on drip. Or else, let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 66 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. Thanks for joining us this week. If this is your first Humor in the Abject rodeo, welcome. Uh, Every week I talk with artists, comedians, writers, filmmakers, musicians, all kinds of people that I think are making important work, most of whom also happen to be funny as all hell. If you are a returning listener, you already know the drill. I'm just a simple boy from the Midwest with a recording set up in my kitchen and an insatiable hunger for conversation. (laughs) Sorry. If you enjoy Human the Abject, consider tossing just $5 my way per month uh, through Drip. That's d.rip slash humor in the abject. I post exclusive audio, video, writing, and other stuff there to say thanks for your support. Uh, that support also helps me do things like my recent uh, trip down to Philly to interview Alex DeCorte and James Alistair Sprang. And uh, hey, here's a fun thing. On Friday, June 22nd at 7 p.m., I'll be performing at... 
Amos Eno Gallery at 56 Bogart in Bushwick. I think that's how you... Amos Eno? I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Uh, It's a night called Into the Weeds, organized by my pal Ari Richter, and I am geeked at the lineup. It features friends of the pod Lorelai Ramirez and Stephen Marco, friend in general Allison Brainerd, plus Rachel Dry and Jude Dry. It is part of the programming for... A solo exhibition by Jose Ricardo Presman called What Happens When You Die and When You're Born. Now, this week on the podcast, I've got artist and activist Shada Soleimani. Right now, you can see her solo exhibition, Medium of Exchange, at the Q Foundation in Manhattan. It's up through July 14th. I highly recommend it. Shada's work is photo-based, but she incorporates heavy research, uh, there's sculpture and installation, kind of a performative vibe, and this darkly comical look at the relationship between oil production and the West's perpetual war economy. So thanks again for tuning in and for your support. Here's my conversation with Shada Soleimani. Shada Soleimani, welcome to Humor the Abject. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, long-time listeners are going to recognize this trope, so I'm going to get it out of the way right away, but uh, we're both Midwest kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. You don't have the short A, though, the, the yeah. I've tried to drop my non-regional dialect. That's fair. <laughs> it com- or I've tried to drop my regional dialect and mm. develop non-regional. Does that How make sense? How do you sense? feel about that? Yeah. How's um, it going for you? Like a poser? Mm. I guess. And as soon <laughs> That's a very Midwest thing too. <laughs> and as soon as I have a couple beers it comes back. Yep. And I'll just be like, Oh yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Um you're from Ohio. That's right. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the yeah. Loveland, the sweetheart of Ohio. Loveland is the sweetheart of Ohio. Yeah. That's that's, where that's my beautiful. Are from. Oh. Or, well not from, but like, you know, they live out there now. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird spot. Um, I understand that some congratulations are in order because you've officially accepted a new teaching position is I that have, true? Yeah. What 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 are you what are you teaching? What are um, you teaching? I'm going to be the head of the photo program at Brandeis University. Nice. There's also no one else in the photo program, so I'm kind of the only person. In the You're program. your own boss. It's kind of great. That's yeah. Cool. It's pretty rad. I'm stoked. Um, and everyone there is like really nice to me, which has like never happened in academia before. <coughs> like academia is just disgusting, mm-hmm. and everyone's like. I mean, you know, they're not much older. They're like in their late forties, maybe early fifties. Yeah. But they're all just like so psyched about like even if I, I feel like if I even gave them a bad idea, they'd be like, Wow, that's like so exciting <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> it's like nice to have enthusiastic people. And they don't talk about, you know, like, Oh, you're our diversity hire. Oh, which like my that God. has been like such a thing. No. Oh yeah. Said to you? Well, yeah. When my mm. previous my previous position I was hired as the diversity initiative. So Woo! It's, you know That's exciting. It's been fun. So yeah, it's cool that, you know, the, the boomers, they just like, they straight shooters. Oh, they yeah. just like to put it out there, let you know oh, yeah. exactly what they are like, think. we know that we're white. But I definitely really want to trying. talk about your art today, mm. but um, <laughs> because of this new position and because I think when you and I met was at like the New York Art Book Fair um, yeah. when I was tabling and you came up and said hi because we had some mutuals through. We had Sarah Greenberger. Yeah. Yeah. Book. And you knew Cranbrook people. That's right. And stuff like that. Um, and you were teaching at RISD at Correct. that time. Um, so what was the first experience that you had teaching and what's the kind of like narrative art? Cause you're pretty young and you're running a photo program. Yeah. So what's the like, 
like when did you start teaching and what is that story it's funny um so cranbrook doesn't have like undergrads so i never taught i mean i took a year off before grad school and i taught like elementary school kids and i taught adjunct at a community college and i was like i think i like teaching but i don't know i'm gonna go to grad school went to grad school and right out of grad school i got the job at risd as part of what they were looking for for diversity initiatives at Mm. schools and i was like you know what like fuck it like at least i'm applicable for fucking something like i'll try never thought i'd get it got the gig moved out from detroit straight to rhode island and i was freaking out like off the bat because i was like all right i've never taught before Mm-hmm. Like these are like 18 year old kids, like yeah. straight out of like, you know, being either in the burbs or like being with their like trustafari parents yeah, who yeah. like shape and condition them. And I was like, what the fuck do I do? Did you think they're going to eat you alive? Yeah. I mean, I was terrified. <laughs> the first day I taught a foundations class, I wore, a, I was trying to be like the cool professor. So I wore like a blazer with a Wu-Tang shirt underneath uh, it. Wow. And I had never heard of Wu-Tang before and it oh, broke my little heart. Really? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say you wore a wig. I was like, just to th- fucking throw them off. <laughs> that would be great. show up with a weird haircut. Yeah, I mean, you know. What were you teaching at RISD? Um, so I, as the diversity initiative, um, <laughs> I taught in the foundations department, the photo department, the sculpture department. I've taught in like almost every single department at that school because they okay. kind of plugged me in where they needed me. Right. But the great part of the job was that I got to design all my own classes and curriculum. So all of my like my first foundations design class was design of stereotype and prejudices and trying to like get these kids to like leave the academic bubble, which you know most of academia never does you're like on campus all the time and like notice things around them and like have like interventions or whatever in spaces and pretty off the bat like i was terrified my first day teaching i thought they would like totally notice that i was like young and wouldn't know what to do with it and i realized that they were just like really excited about it because i think most of the other professors that they deal with are you know a little bit older yeah, and like yeah. they don't have a dialogue with like instagram which mm-hmm. for you know a lot of my students is like really important sure and they're like okay like we can like just talk to you about stuff it was like kind of weird because it was like okay i'm not your friend but i also don't believe in hierarchy and teaching and like right. i don't like people calling me professor <laughs> or anything Prof. so yeah <laughs> rough teach teach uh, that's cool i got I apples they brought me apples as oh, a joke really? from my last day oh that's was, nice that's sweet but yeah, I mean, how they, long were you at RISD? Um, this I was three years. This three is my years. third year. I just okay. finished um, okay. my last class ever, like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I know one I of your like, students. Oh, you do, Shruti. Yeah, shout out to Shruti if you're Shruti, listening. Just want to say hi. Love you. You were my. She was in my first ever foundations class. Cool. And it's amazing. That's an interesting thing, though, to be a young faculty member because you are. You do represent this thing that's kind of in between the undergraduates and the maybe like older full-time faculty. Totally. Um, And it's weird. I never thought about that Cranbrook. Yeah, because it's just a graduate program. Like, who do you guess you could teach each other? (laughs) You can like do like a mock, like a mock foundation class or something (laughs) like that. But no, that's pretty wild. When I first started teaching high school, I was 22. Oh, wow. Which is fucking crazy because some of my seniors were 19. Right. They're so close in age. I was like, (laughs) like, I like see them at the bar. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing here? And they're (laughs) just like, I got a fake man. I was like, fuck no. They like, tell me that shit all the time. Oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work with teens this last year and they, some of them love to tell me like, I got fucked up this week. And I'm like, I don't care. So did I. Yeah. I'm like... a grown up. <laughs> I'd be drunk right now. <laughs> right. And you wouldn't even know. <laughs> They're wild. They, I think they like love having something to prove, which is yeah. funny to me because it makes me feel 
really old in the way because I'm I'm not like a super goody good. I'm actually a super goody good. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things where I'm like, oh my god, like they scandalize you. Yeah, yeah. they're like, wow, like look at what we did last night. Or they they're like, can we add you on Instagram? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, like add me. And sometimes I'll follow them back if they are not in my class anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I'll see the shit they post, and I'm like, I feel like I can't unsee this. Yeah. Like, what do I do? <laughs> they're like. They know because like, you could tell who's watched it, yeah. and I'm just like, Ugh. oh, they saw you saw their story. Oh yeah, well, and so they slide into my DMs sometimes too, <laughs> and that's like, come on, you guys. To, yeah, <laughs> I used to get the uh, right after the end of the semester all the Facebook requests mm. from the kids, you know, and that that was fine. I thought that was okay, but I think um, Facebook's more okay now. I feel like I guess so. Yeah, I I have I have since left it, but mm. I would be um, I would be terrified if like they uh, followed me on Twitter. I feel like it's just like I'm just I'm being nasty on that you know yeah I mean I'm pretty like feisty and like throw so much shade on IG already that they're like I think they're just accustomed to it yeah I mean yeah my first day teaching I was like pretty quickly realized that they didn't understand like one of them was like so like when we graduate like how do we pick which gallery to work with wow (laughs) you're fucked yeah you're fucked (laughs) and I'm like you know like everyone thinks because RISD has like such a good reputation yeah they're gonna like leave and they're just gonna be like handed the golden ticket oh no it does not work like that no and they didn't get it and it like really broke my heart I was like totally in shock and I was Mm. like so my first day teaching I kind of started this like thing that I do in every single class that I teach now that's called the real art world talk Mm. and you know just kind of like walk them through and I'm like and like curators will try to fuck you oh yeah the studio visit yeah the studio visit and like you're like no like that doesn't happen I'm like yes in fact it does frequently all the time most of the time (laughs) (laughs) Jesus no that's fucked up but I think it's but it's interesting though because it's great to have younger people because you you will you are a product of the same economic environment as them and probably had the same revelations that you're bestowing upon them Mm -hmm. not so long in the past that that these are foreign to you as opposed to somebody who's in their you know i i'm not going to name names but i (laughs) have heard many like artists who are in their 60s in new york city who are just like no what you do you just move here and if you you just work hard and if you show up and you blah 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 it will work out and i'm just like it literally doesn't for most people like almost everyone fails no, and yeah. they're like, well, I, don't, I mean, I just bought this place in Soho in the seventies. No, it's like, well, that's why. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> they're like I had one, uh, older artist, um, ask me point blank what I paid in rent and then laugh at me what? because their mortgage was less for the place that they'd already paid off. Their mm-hmm. mortgage was less when they were my, and I was just like, yeah, I know because you people ruined the economy. Yeah, yeah, it worked out great for you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you for that. Yeah, by the way, it's wonderful. <laughs> no, but I think it's great for uh, younger people to have people that you know are still. It's like you said, you don't want to create a hierarchical thing in a classroom, yeah. but to have that they they trust because you're a little bit older that you right. have been through the ringer a little bit more, and you totally. probably have some wisdom to bestow. But it's not so. such a gap. <laughs> yeah. That you're like I feel like they feel comfortable yeah. asking questions yeah which and is nice overly comfortable sometimes. oh definitely yeah. a little overly comfortable yeah and I think I'm definitely a little overly at ease half the time <laughs> I'm just like I get excited and like you know well sometimes it's very up. charming where you're like really you want to tell me this like scandalous gossip that you have and yeah. then you're just like I shouldn't hear that I know all the time <laughs> like it's so funny because I know it's like funny in a lot but like 
I have ears on the ground everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like at least at RISD, like the grads are talking to me and like mm-hmm. I know who's like hooking up with who because my students just talk to yeah, me and yeah. my assistants and like yeah. and so you every time I see people down. I you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean not that I want to. I just like see people and I'm like, Oh, I know everything about you without even having to like well, interact especially with you. at a private art school. Yeah. It's like the, oh, it's the, so the pool's not very big. No. No. It's I'm not... sure sometimes they screedle around with the kids from Brown or something. But, oh, yeah. But for the most part, you know. I love when they're like, I'm dating someone from Brown. And I'm <laughs> like, does. oh, you mean like a whole like five minutes up the hill? <laughs> you wouldn't know him. He doesn't go here. <laughs> <laughs> That's my Is he a dual degree? <laughs> There's like a RISD Brown program. Oh, yeah, yeah. Program. I bet they have a library share too, huh? They do. You can probably go. Yeah, you could mm-hmm. go into the Brutalist Library at Brown or the nice RISD library. It's yeah. actually very charming. I bet. No, but, I like I like the I like the RISD campus. It's it's nice. It's I like super Providence. Nice. It's I love fun. Providence. I, I like, like uh, I'm definitely staying there. <laughs> what's uh, oh yeah? Because you're living there even while you're teaching at Brandeis. Yeah, because I only okay. have to teach twice a week. Dude, fuck yeah! Yeah. Would you drive kinda, over there? Yeah. It's what do like you drive? Forty minutes. What do you got? What do I drive? Yeah. Uh, a Subaru Forester. Hell yeah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's black. <laughs> My parents car. have one of those. Really? It's a utilitarian car. I got it. I would love to have a fucking Subaru. It's you know fucking hatchback on the back of it. It's like you can a, tow something if you want to, I probably, could. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't drive. know what I would be towing, but I don't, yeah, knowing that I could. Well, I think like in my future photos, I've thought about renting camels, and I'm like, I could probably rent, I could tow a camel or like a horse or like a donkey <laughs> or whatever. I could like tow something with my Subaru Forester. Oh my god, um, there's possibilities. So <laughs> matters. Um, so this is this isn't meant to be a leading question at all, but because I know that people have different perspectives on this, but is. Is teaching, is that like part of your art practice or do you compartmentalize them? Because I know funny. people have really different approaches and some yeah. people are like, no, I'm a very different person in the classroom. Like, obviously my politics are similar, but sure. no, it is not part of my creative practice. And then some people are like, and some people are a little too far down the rabbit hole and they're like, teaching is my sculpture. I... And I'm like, stop explaining this, kids. <laughs> Yeah, not quite there. Um, they go hand in hand yeah, yeah. Um, for me. I like, figured from what you make and the way that you talk about teaching, it seems yeah, logical. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I hate like most of academia I hate because of administration. And so that's mm-hmm. like I fucking like get feisty with like yeah. I'll push people's buttons and admin. And that kind of is how I see like my work is like I try to push people's buttons. Like, do you ever tell the kids that the only reason their tuition costs that much is because of the administrators? <laughs> they already know it. <laughs> they're like fucking with the admin too. And that's yeah. why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they they're super sharp. And like the reason that I love teaching so much and I loved RISD so much was because of students. Yeah, everyone that I always. worked, not everyone that I worked with, sure. but a lot of the people that I worked with. And I don't mind saying this. were trash. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the most abusive work situations wow. that I've ever been in. Well, and yeah. Were you adjunct? Um, the first time I was there, I was full time um, the first year. It was on a fellowship. And then okay. um, the two years after that, it was part-time. Oh. And it was cobbling together classes. Uh-huh. There was a petition the students started the first year that I taught there that was called Keep Shade. It was called Keep Rizdy Woke before woke got overused as a term. Mm-hmm. That's fine. <laughs> it said Keep Shada. And the admin was really upset about that <laughs> happening. And they were like, you need to tell your students to calm like, down. Shada, we really thought that this one-year full-time position was going to be a springboard for you to like another <laughs> institution where you would go and... <laughs> like not be here anymore (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, no, but yeah, that makes funny. it. It's it's like I mean, I've worked on I've worked on both sides and been a faculty member and an administrator. And like as an administrator, I can say like, yeah, arts administrators suck. Yeah, they're, they're the worst. They're the worst. I've gotten called sweetheart so uh, many times by like older men faculty that think I'm a grad student or like <laughs> people that are like, oh, what department are you in? And I'm just like. <laughs> <sighs> like okay I used, to, I used to do admin at uh, new york university and they take because it's like a it's a big college sure. they take uh the, the administrative jobs very seriously and they like had this thing called the administrators luncheon <laughs> where all the administrators from the steinhardt school is that the school that i was in yeah steinhardt is yeah. the one that has the art department in it yeah but steinhardt weirdly because of some like dean drama years before Steinhardt is not the school that has photography and film. That's uh, Tish. That's Tish, yeah. yeah. So, like, because these two deans didn't like each other, the art department, like, seceded from Tish or some bullshit and is, like, now part of the same school that has, like, sports medicine and, like, yeah, like, physical therapy and then, like, like, administrative, like, uh, medical administration or so. Just, like, weird. It makes no sense. So, I was at these administrators' luncheons and I was, like, the rep from the art department. And we would all sit around and they would, like, announce different things and there would be a raffle and all this stuff. And I kept live tweeting them with the hashtag administrators luncheon and when i came back from like the second one that i went to uh my boss at the time when i came back he was like sean can i see my office and i was like oh fuck man i'm definitely fucking getting fired for this i was like taking photos of like the people presenting and tweeting being like oh my god i hope i win the gifts or two like just being aware i was just being a a shit i don't know it was two like a campus things (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was an unrelated question but i went white like a ghost i was like I did not want to have these read back to me. Like, oh my god! <laughs> I was clearly in like a manic state, just sure. like sending these things and getting off on like the attention of people liking them or sure. whatever. And then I was like, "Am I going to be held accountable for this?" And I wasn't. But did they find out about it? No, I don't think they ever did. I don't think they ever found my Twitter, which blew my fucking mind. Oh wow! Um, I guess maybe they just didn't look. But that was a weird. I don't know. Yeah, arts administrators are fucking whack. Yeah. Um, and I'm really good at it. I say that as a person who has the fucking skill set. Sure. It literally just means that you can use Google Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Too real. <laughs> Too real. Well, a lot they of people are very use, proud of themselves Well, they for can't using... use Adobe Creative Suite. They can't fucking design anything to save their lives. No. They cannot no, they spell. they the worst fucking posters. Yeah, they can't spell. No. They can't do... A lot of things, but they, they know that, yeah, they know how to download a Google spreadsheet and open it in Excel. They've got the power. Yeah, they understand the formulas <laughs> and things like that. So, but I feel like we're getting a little off track here. Yeah. I right, want to talk to you about, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it goes hand in hand for me. Um, they give, they give me energy yeah. and I take that energy and I put it into my work and well, half the time, like my studio assistants are all previous students and like, they know me yeah. really well now. So like, I'll have an idea and they'll be like, Shada, that's, that's a bad yeah i'm like no it's not and they're like "Mm, yeah it is and so like that's where i find the crossover well yeah and especially because younger faculty too are okay with their students teaching them something yeah that i think and i'm not this isn't that's what teaching is i've had amazing older faculty i'm not saying that they're all like that but it is more of a hurdle for somebody who's been teaching for 25 or 30 years to accept that like a 19 year old has something to teach them. Yeah. It's just, it's a different power dynamic totally. and it's a different thing. Um, I learned so much from them. Like, and it's also like a, I noticed that um, younger, uh, younger teachers seem to be a little bit more down to support their students' success after school. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, for sure. They like, don't get all like jealous because no, their students like, are doing better than them. Oh, I have students who are doing way fucking better yeah. than me from like PNC8. Like 
murdering it out there yeah doing incredibly and it's fucking and you're fucking cool. proud yeah i'm like oh my god i critiqued your art like we had a you were in my class that's yeah. fucking fun yeah like that's really neat you just had a show at one of my former i wasn't really his teacher i was the admin john the, john you I, know john yeah of course oh, yeah in portland john, john was a Shout student john <laughs> in the uh john was a student in the mfa program where i was uh technically an arts administrator but it was a little bit more i just worked with the like students okay. all the time so it wasn't and I was teaching too, but it was much more like uh, I was like hanging out in their studios and doing studio visits and helping them organize their New York trip and their shows. It was wow. a, it was a little bit more like fun than your average arts admin thing. Totally. Um, and yeah, John was one of the students. John's I've known John since I was a freshman in since Cincy, since Cincinnati. Wow, man. I know. I have some friends who opened a gallery there a little while ago. Wait, I've what's talked it about this before. On Wait, the pod. we have. It's called the Anytime Department. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I went to school with one of them. They know John very well. Both of them. I went to school with both of them in Portland. Um, and huh. one of them is originally from Cincinnati. Really? Yeah. Rebecca Steele. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Small fucking world. The only reason I call it Cincinnati is because my friend uh, is an art handler and he worked at this gallery and there was this Italian guy who worked there who was like walking around and he was like, I'm so busy. I got to go to Cincinnati next week. And blah, blah, blah. He's just like, he was like, where do you have to go? And he's like, a Cincinnati. He was like, it's not how it's. I've never heard that before, but I'm about it. Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. Cool. I kind of like it. Yeah. We just say like the natty or Cincy. The natty. The natty. Cincy. Yeah, that's cool. It's right by Kentucky, right? That's right. You ever Newport. go fuck off in Kentucky? All the time. Yeah, that sounds cool. It's pretty great. Actually, <laughs> you just cross the bridge. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. Actually, Tob Quali and High Tech have the song called um, How We Do It in the Natty. And the first line is like, Crossing the bridge. Oh yeah, yeah. cool. It's like you live to the tri-state area. Indiana's yeah. around there too. Ew. Yeah. Sorry. That's, that's where apologies. I was born. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's alright. I have no commitments to Indianapolis whatsoever. I have many relatives who live there. Well, yeah. you know. I went to there. I went there a lot as a kid. I went to the Indianapolis Children's Museum. It's I don't a, know if you've ever been to that, but yeah. that's a pretty it's fucking a good cool museum. museum. Yeah. There's a yeah. big like water clock thing in the front yep. that I still remember. I always valued going there. Um, and then one the time, only I, value of yeah, one time I was as an adult. And I was like, this city sucks. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, most of the Midwest. I like... look at my stats. Nobody from Indianapolis listens to this. So I'm going to go on record with fuck Indianapolis. But Ohio. I, uh, I mean, fuck Ohio because I'm from Michigan. Mm. But not really. I mean, I love Michigan. I have a lot I of friends. so much time there. Well, because you want lakes and we got them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Not a landlocked They're kind of fucking... like oceans. They're huge. They're giant. There are shipwrecks in them. Yeah. It's wild. I had no idea. Flat earthers are trying to use them as like an argument for like why the earth is flat. I like actually thought flat earthers were a joke. And then no. like a few like, I think it was like a month ago or so. Oh, it's a very real thing. It's like someone was like, no, Shada, like this is for real. And I was like, yeah. no. No, like, they have conferences and stuff. It's so wild. It's exciting. I mean, it is. It's kind of a new frontier, right? Yeah. It's like a new I, old the thing frontier. That I do, the thing that I don't like about it is a lot of it is also linked to like this, um, like, uh, biblical literalism mm. and like other and uh, very very like many other conspiracy things um, just for some reason the earth being flat also means uh, Jews are bad Oh, Don't really? Know. They go hand in hand? Yeah, they just, kinda, they just sort of overlaps. Like most conspiracy oh. theory stuff ends up, there's some kind of like anti-Semitic mm. undertone involved <laughs> in it. Weirdly. I don't really know why, but Rough. it just sort of, they go hand in hand, yeah. you know? And so besides that though, I mean, I am all about a group of fucking weirdos just being like, no, it's not round. <laughs> I mean, why not? That's fun. Yeah. Like, good. Be yeah. weird. Like let totally. your freak flag fly. Um, well, Kentucky, uh, my favorite weird Kentucky's military a flat place. State. It's 
you know, if the earth is flat, I guess Kentucky <laughs> <laughs> might be flat too. Um, it's actually pretty hilly. Um, yeah. yeah, but there's the Creation Museum there oh, where you can ride a triceratops. Don't you have to sign a thing that says you won't make fun of it yeah, before you go in you or do. something? Like a thing that's and like, there's I'm an amusement not, park. I'm not being ironic being no, here. Like I really want to be here. I really <laughs> want to ride that triceratops and know what it was like. Yo, have you ever been to the, we coexisted? You ever been to the Dale Hollow River? No, what's that? I don't, it's somewhere in Kentucky. <laughs> One time for a family reunion, we went to the Dale, Dale Hollow River, <laughs> the Dale Hollow River, and we went down on uh, houseboats and we floated the Dale Hollow River. See, houseboats are like the Kentucky fucking thing to do yeah I hung it was out the on, one like, time Cumberland. really it was yeah. the one time we did Houseboat it outside Capital. the midwest was we did a kentucky one and we were all on houseboats and there were definitely some drunk relatives like falling into the river yeah oh. while the boats were moving you know just like oh it's a look. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> that relative is from indianapolis <laughs> oh there you have it <laughs> um now <clears throat> by the time that this comes out uh your show at Q Foundation yeah. have opened, uh, Medium of Exchange. And am I correct in my understanding that this show's on like a bit of a tour? Yeah. It's, it's been a couple other places and it's going other places. Yeah. Where's it been? Where's it headed? Um, so it's it's had different iterations at different places. So okay. I started the series like maybe two years ago because I was trying to make like lighthearted work after making work about like women that had been like executed and I was like I need to do something like funny and I never thought that I would actually like show it I was mm-hmm. just like yeah like I'm just gonna like play around with this um started making these photos um they premiered the first four premiered at nada with my london gallery um in march oh i saw you at it yeah that was the first time those were shown the first time they were shown no shit yeah i must have seen pictures of them on your instagram before because i was i knew what they were when i saw them okay Okay, but they weren't they weren't in a show before they had never been shown i was just getting like studio exclusives sneak peeks sneak peeks from the you want to shout out that handle if people want to follow you on instagram uh shayla john um S-H-E-I-D-A-J-A-N-A-M. And it's not my middle name. Nice. John M means my dearest um, in Farsi. So like if you say like a term of endearment, oh, yeah. you say, oh, John. Or like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my parents call me Shayla John M. So. That's lovely. Mm, you know. My neighbor used to call me Sean Bob. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck that's Bob? Bob. Wait, yeah. Where were they from? Down the street from me in Michigan. Oh, but oh, Bob, it's like a short for Baba. So Baba is like also a term, instead of being like dad, it's a term of endearment. Like oh. my dad, who I call Baba, calls me Baba. Really? Yeah. I started calling my dad Pops as I got older. Ooh. I don't know why. You just never called him that as a kid? No, I definitely wasn't like, uh, Pops, can you commit? No, but then like, <laughs> I like got older and it was something about like, you know, where I got to the age where I was like, I could kick my old man's ass. I think I could probably beat up my dad. I don't know if I could, actually. He runs like five miles every day. He oh, could probably shit. whip my ass. But <laughs> just, you know, when he wasn't uh, as towering of a figure anymore, sure. um, I was just kind of like, what's up, Pops? And mm-hmm. I think he likes it. He's yeah? like into it. Yeah, he signs like my birthday cards, Pops, now. Oh, yeah. That's cute. This is unrelated to your show. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> um, I like but, tangents. But wait, okay, um, so you showed it at Nada. I saw you there. Yeah, with showed your, it at Nada. In your gallery from London, remind me again. I'm sorry, you just said Dallas Santi. Okay. Yeah, so they showed the first four. Mm-hmm. Um, the series isn't done yet either. I imagine there's going to be like at least 24 photos. Or Will like it ever maybe be? 12 or 13. That's a great one. <laughs> it's just going to be ever evolving. <laughs> is anything ever done? But you showed it in your hometown. I did. So then I made um, the Cincinnati Contemporary. Art Center um, commissioned me the CAC the CAC no contemporary <laughs> See, yeah it's the CAC <laughs> right. and if you say it with the Ohio short it's a CAC <laughs> <laughs> okay but um they 
um, asked me, they saw my show in London the year before, which was the images of the executed women and drew the curator there was like, have you ever thought about making film? And I was like, fuck no, like, absolutely not. And he was like, well, like, would you think about it? And I was like, you're like, well, you're making me, you're, tell- yeah. you're doing it right now. Oh, well, actually, this is how it happened. Okay. So we're hanging out. Um, I don't, I mean, like I drink, but I don't drink too much Sure. and like, Everything you know, in moderation. Yeah. You know, two Negronis in. I get asked, um, have you ever thought about making a film before? And I was like, actually, of course. I'm writing screenplays right now. <laughs> Were you? No. Ah, yes. <laughs> it was like the dumbest thing I've cool. ever fucking done. That rules. And I don't know you, where you I got should, it from. You could live in LA. That's like, that's like just what you do there from my understanding. You just understanding. like lie and then things Just happen. constantly like, yeah, I have a screenplay, I have a spec script for that. And like, I'm not a good liar is the thing mm-hmm. either. Like generally when I lie, people can tell. If you've had a couple drinks, are you better at it? I guess so. <laughs> apparently, because it was convincing enough to get an email the next day. Yeah. You know, I kept on drinking, enjoying it. And they were like, oh, what are the screenplays? Like, oh, they like go kind of hand in hand with these photos that I'm taking about uh-huh. like Western military complexes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Next day I get an email and it's like, so um, I'd love to see one of your scripts for the screenplay whenever you're done. And I was like, what the fuck did I do <laughs> on the train back from New York, back to Providence? And I was like, yes, I'm writing a fucking screenplay. So, you know, I'm not a writer, or at least I don't think I am, but maybe uh-huh. I am now. Who the fuck knows? Okay. And I start looking through CIA.gov's um, library of, you know, dialogues and memorandums. And I was like, all right, this first thing that I'm going to do is going to be Donald Rumsfeld's like snowflakes, rummy like, word for word. Yeah, wow, that's rummy. a throwback. <laughs> yeah, he's well, in some of the picks, though, right? He there's is. a rummy head in there. I oh, saw. yeah, there's the Rumsfeld head, there's Petraeus, there's Dick Cheney, there's like you know, Henry Kissinger, Jimmy Carter just makes an appearance in this show. And for me, it's like thinking about the fact that everyone's like, why are you talking about that? Like, that's not relevant anymore. Like, why aren't you talking about Trump? And like, I can't roll my eyes hard enough at that because it's like the past informs the present. So yeah, if we don't and, like mind what's been happening. And how about the fact that we think that those people are sort of like just buffoonish caricatures who are like not as bad as this administration might be the very reason why <clears throat> this was possible. This was all possible. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So yeah, I started like taking... Yeah, fuck, I'm going to go things. on record. Fuck, fuck Donald Rumsfeld <laughs> from Humor in the Abject. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck you, Donald yeah, Rumsfeld. Fuck you if you're listening. We love you, but not really. <laughs> but actually, I really love your snowflakes if you are listening. They made for really great content. So you pulled from those to make the scripts. Yeah. And what, tell me so just what rearranged. the snowflakes are. The snowflakes Because I read that in an like, interview and I don't know what that is. Yeah. So he, I mean, like, he's complete, like, idiot, nut job, <laughs> by the way. Um, but he did this thing where he would take shorthand notes of all the commands that he would give to people during like the Iraqi invasion and leading up to the Iraqi okay. invasion. And he thought that they were like smart and witty. And he'd be like, dear George, like, you know, this is what we have to do. Like, you know, in one sentence or less, like uh-huh. who leaked the war plans prior to the Iraq war? Thanks. And like, you know, or he'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, like, can someone check in on the memorandum budget for blah, blah, blah. And like, they'd just be like little shorthand notes uh-huh. and they'd be stamped with a seal. And then he just had so many of them that he just kind of re- had to release them too. Because okay. you're supposed to when you're in that type of position. You have to make things public after, I think, eight years. All right. And so they were made public. And I was like, these are all really funny and make no sense. So what if I rearrange them? And supplement them with excerpts of the speech he gave when we were, you know, planning to invade. So mm. the first screenplay which, was just this. Which all country? 
um, Iraq. Okay. Yeah. There were, a, <laughs> there were a few yeah. in there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I just want to make Touché. sure I'm following correctly. <laughs> um, yeah. So the 2003 Iraqi invasion. Yeah. And Not um, the 93 one. No. Or was that 91? It was no, 92, was 91 through 3, Desert yeah. Storm, yeah. Iran, Iraq War 2. Um, Operation Desert Storm. Wasn't it? Des- it was Desert Shield first. It was. They were like, Look we're at playing, you. We're just playing defense. Yeah. And then they were like, but we're moving from a shield to bitch, a storm. The storm is coming. <laughs> 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 fucking losers. Yeah. God, but... military people are such fucking nerds. Oh, they're the worst. And all the like military playing cards that I like keep uh... collecting that like have the terminologies on them are like so fascinating oh i have a desert me. storm one yeah you have that one the blue cards with like i, the I have one because this uh podcast that i really like called street fight radio it's out of columbus ohio yeah <laughs> and they they're great i did a live episode with them once when okay. they're here in new york but these two fellows and they send out a zine if you like back their patreon and so and they always send like a sticker or something in one month i got like yeah a playing card from like desert storm and i was yeah, just like I they the were selling these yeah people send me shit now because they know that i look for it Jesus. and a friend of mine was like i found this whole deck of desert storm playing cards and they have all these like crazy names for the missiles i'm gonna send them to you and they're so wild <laughs> But yeah, um, so I wrote the screenplays. Um, I thought that I could film them myself because mm-hmm. I try to think that I could do everything, which I cannot. Um, and I was like, I think I need to hire a cinematographer. So I did. Uh-huh. And I started doing auditions and then making costumes and it just kind of happened. Um, so that's what happened in the end. Was that end of March, March, like 25th or 28th or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the film premiered. Um, it's okay. 34 minutes. It's a series of screenplays and it's going to keep going. It'll is probably that, be longer. Is that in the show here in New York? It's not. It's not. It's not here in the show. Is there anywhere that people can see it or is it? No. Um, it will be in New York soon. Okay. Um, I'll keep that on. You don't need to, you don't need to release any information that isn't public yet, but that's good to know. Yeah. People should keep, keep an eye Yeah, keep an eye peeled. If there, if if anyone's in Atlanta until July 29th, the film is screening inside of a tent that was part of the exhibition. So after, yeah, the film screened in Cincinnati in the end of March and then April 12th my first museum show opened at the Atlanta Contemporary and that's the most comprehensive exhibition of all this work it Mm -hmm. has 14 of the large format photographs four of the smaller photographs in this tent that the museum made for me um it's one of my photographs of the gross domestic product reports of all of the 14 OPEC countries spoiled by oil so you go inside of this like tent and you could watch the film screening on the inside of the tent so if you're in Atlanta or you happen to go to Atlanta, you could go hang out the contemporary and watch the film there. Cool. That's good to know. Um, yeah, I guess that I, I guess I logically if I were I mean, I would say that your work is uh, photographic. Yes. In its way. I would assume that I would be able to shoot a movie, too, if I was like good at. Yeah, I, like, I could kind of but... use a camera. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know shit about cameras, actually, honestly. But I was like, I think I, I know how to use this enough to like move it around on a tripod and yeah, like make yeah. it move. And... Like dolly tracking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Could not do it. My cinematographer was like amazing. And he was also told me like when I wrote my first screenplay, I just kind of wrote it in paragraph form. And he was like, oh, this isn't a that. screenplay. No, you have to download like a or not even. Celtics? Well, you... Celtics? Something. Like the I... Boston basketball team. Yeah. <laughs> you can like yeah there you can get like a template that you can just set up in like word or whatever else you're using and it'll just like do it for you and it has the commands and stuff but yeah it has a very specific look it does i just i saw things that i learned they seem way longer than they really are yeah right yeah Yeah. i was like wow this just went from being two paragraphs to like three pages how did Mm -hmm. that happen and then adding in stage direction now i'm no 
film director, but now about three minutes of screenplay page. That's about three minutes of uh, that's correct film, right? I learned that, that about, a, about a minute of page. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's what it was like. Kind of nice being able to be like, okay, I think this is how long my movie is gonna be. Yeah, I bet that's why they do it that way. Yeah, you know, people are smart. I bet there's some <laughs> person who writes screenplays who's like really avant garde and is like, actually, you can't tell how long mine are based on, <laughs> even though I follow, itself. even though I follow the format. <laughs> That would be pretty cool. Be pretty um, so the we you sort of alluded to them, but the the works that are in the show, which are these big ass prints, right? Yes. They're big photo prints of like what, like sixty, 60 inches tall 40. or something. Okay, yeah. um, shade size. Yeah, so that's like a you know it's like a four by six for anybody who's listening who's seen a picture before, <laughs> like a photograph. It's like a four by six photo, you know, but it's ten times that. Yes, I don't know how percentages work. That's like a thousand percent bigger, right? Yeah, it it's like, bigger? it could be, is it a thousand? It's know. definitely like more than a few It's like third. exponential things, which my brain stops I think it's a thousand. Working. It's probably a thousand percent. It's probably a thousand percent. And if anybody, if that's wrong, um, I don't know. Challenge You're a nerd. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Come at me. <laughs> email me. Yeah. Me I don't a, do numbers. Send me an email. Send me a, a, a Google Hangout request. And we'll, four by six to 40 by 60, 1,000 or one. It's not a hundred. No. Because a hundred would be four would by be, six. A hundred percent would be four. You're right. Yes. <laughs> well, a hundred percent bigger would be eight would be by a, 12. See, that's where I don't understand how it works. <laughs> they're big prints. Yeah. That's all I got huge. for you. <laughs> yeah. They're big as shit. Yeah. They're, they're gig- person sized. Yeah. They're gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. They're five feet tall. Yes. There cool. you go. Five okay. feet tall. Yeah, that's that's a visual. Do you know what they are in um, the metric? <laughs> you know the numbers in the metric? No. No, I don't either. Um, but so could you talk a little bit about uh, the construction of those? Because they're, they're these wild tableaus. And yeah. they look, uh, upon first glance, very much looks like this is some crazy ass digital collage. Right. But they're actually for lack of a better term, they're, they're analog sets yes. that have printed elements in them, but you're documenting them and it's like a space. It's a real space that yeah. exists. So what, what's in the pics? I mean, I know the answer, but for somebody well, who hasn't seen them. Um, so yeah, it's funny. I mean, like first things first, I fucking suck at any digital technology in Photoshop. I use the help tool you ever to watch, like still edit photos. Yeah. You ever watch YouTube tutorials by kids? Tried, I just like, I can't follow through. I'm too impatient. Yeah. And well, they're usually like nine minutes long, and it's yeah. like just fucking show just me. Just show the me command. how the fuck to do this shit. So I really haven't learned that many commands. I know like a few shortcuts, but um, I really like the idea of them being super confusing and people not mm-hmm. knowing what they're interacting with when they look at them and kind of thinking that they are digital. Um, so I build these sets for the camera. They're pretty big. They're like kind of theater sets. They're like eight feet tall at least eight to ten feet tall by like 10 to 12 feet wide and then like maybe 10 or 10 10 or 12 feet deep um they're made out of paper generally i just like they're really shitty we're talking about like almost a thousand cubic feet (laughs) is that how many would go in there i don't know you said like 10 by 10 by 10 yeah i think that's how you do that i still see that's like that's how bad i am in math Mm -hmm. i really don't which is a thousand cubic feet is a thousand percent more than one cubic foot this little callback there. Blowing my mind. The math. Oh, now next time I'll look at one of myself to be like, this is a thousand. <laughs> like, what do you do with that? Can I fill it with something? Like, how do I? So you build these sets, and they're, yeah, they're made and, out of paper, like and a lot of paper. sourced material that yes. you're combing from the web. Correct. So opec.org has like actually a really beautifully designed 
very propagandistic website and so really? you could go on there oh, i've never been it's so good you have to look at opec.org like the worst design and the best design at the same time mm-hmm. but like under the like our mission statement it'll be like they member have a mission countries. statement oh, yeah and they like also make cvs that are all unified for every single one of the ministers that have like the opec letterhead on them resumes around there. yeah it's so beautiful it's like so extra <laughs> okay but they have these really propagandistic photos of every single one of the oil fields in okay. the country so you could go and be like I would like to know about the oil fields in Venezuela. And I'll be like, look at these beautiful, like some, they hire some fucking photographer to like go take these like idyllic looking shots. I don't know how idyllic an oil field you get, but like they look expansive and maybe the sun's kind of setting behind Mm -hmm. them. And so I'm sourcing all these images from OPEC's website and they're all really high res. Oh yeah. And so they're trying to fucking swaggering. They do. Look at the, (laughs) I mean, oil money buys a lot of nice shit. That's for sure. Did you see the, plane filled with the osprey what did you see the bin salman the prince no. bin salman of saudi arabia um filled a whole british airways jet with 80 of his falcons Why? to transport them because he's really into falconry oil money buys you that shit they also Can't have the most severe human rights violations they... wait i'll show it to you couldn't the birds Fly to the well. I guess you they'd probably try to break free. Well, the thing with um falconry is that they have sensory deprivation caps they have put on so they can't see at Mm. all. And then when they're released, like when the cap is taken off, like their senses are supposed to be sharpened so they could hunt. It's like pretty abusive. Uh, Um, but yeah, oh my lord, they're just on the plane. Yeah, each one of them has their own personal handler. Oh, so like outside of OPEC being able to like photograph on a plane. Well, if you're the Prince of Saud and yeah. you could buy this jet out. Jesus. Yeah. So one of the photos in the show actually refers to that. Oh um, but yeah. So where was I with that? You were talking <laughs> about basically sourcing the images. Oh, yeah. So I like, you things. know, find these images online. I print them out um, and I build the set around them. So like mm-hmm. and I kind of build the set around like also the, you know geological things that are around that so if it's a desert scene like in the saudi image the kahwar oil field is the largest oil field in the world and it the image on the opec website is this like blue like pipeline kind of going through these like you know desert dunes and Uh, it looks really idyllic and so i build out the rest of the set to kind of speak back to like what's happening in the photo yeah yeah and then i'll add props based off of like you know like there's food and stuff right yeah so i look at like gross domestic product reports of every single one of these countries every single one of the 14 opec countries has um agricultural trade that's severely harmed Uh by the oil industry um and you know also like kind of trying to think of these scenarios and scenes that like when i hear these situations like i do the research for every single one of the countries and i'll find out like you know what era do i want to pull from or what do i want to use um like when I was doing the Angola shoot, for example, like I built the whole set based off of the oil field that was pulled from the OPEC website. And then I was like, OK, who do I want to have in it? Mm-hmm. I always have the OPEC ministers of each one of the countries in it. But I've realized that I and don't. Des- describe what you mean by in it for somebody who hasn't oh, seen it. Oh, yeah. So I cast um, actresses um, and actors, but all queer identifying bodies to play the roles of these patriarchal ministers um every single one of the opec countries there's 14 of them Mm -hmm. they each have someone like an opec minister or a minister of hydrocarbons or you know oil or like something and so i'm 
you could find them on the OPEC website. Yeah, and for any art school people, this is sort of they're they're kind of like the provost. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good analogy. <laughs> you don't really know what they do, but they have a lot of money. They're getting paid a lot. Well, yeah, OPEC. I guess I didn't say what OPEC is, but it's the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries. It yeah. was established in 1962 at the Baghdad Conference, and it was after the Seven Sisters oil cartel kind of dissipated. Um, like OPEC kind of came into place and they're it's a cartel in essence it, their main goal is to establish and maintain oil prices for the member countries yeah are they really doing it probably not absolutely not um under the guise of it being kind of like about a f it's about fairness and yes. making sure that like the Everyone countries yeah things. yeah okay but they all you know like it's like having 14 siblings that don't get along and yeah. like there's a lot of circle jerking mm. and every single one of these 14 countries has had some type of interference from a western military complex in the past wait century. from like the united states never <laughs> you know the it, british <laughs> not us no they did they, the british don't mess with other people's stuff do they no <laughs> but they yeah because a lot of times it's like um you have you have an actor or an actress or you have a, you have a person wearing these kind of like grotesque masks, masks. of the the OPEC member and sometimes they're tussling with like a western. a person from like the Western uh, military industrial complex yeah. like Rami or somebody else totally so like for Angola for example I was like I know that I want Jose Conbotelo in there who is the OPEC minister of Angola mm -hmm. and his name is actually Portuguese because they were um, colonized by Portugal up until 1962 I believe um, and in 1975 I learned that there was a United States initiated coup d'état in Angola, there were four factions, the MPLA, the um, FNLA, the three, FNLA, UNITA, and MPLA. And two of these factions were kind of like Soviet, like influenced and heavy. And the okay. third one was kind of leaning towards Soviet rule. And at the time, um, Kissinger was, you know, the one that led the CIA initiative and the coup d'etat in Angola. And he did so because not only did we know that Angola had oil, but Angola has one of the largest reserves of diamonds. So when I hear that, like my kind of mind puts together this scene where I'm like, okay, well, I want Henry Kissinger to be proposing to the OPEC minister of Angola with this like oversized diamond that's <laughs> yeah. covered in oil. Yeah, yeah. And what does it look like for like a femme Kissinger to be proposing to like, you know, this like queer black body? Mm -hmm. And how do we read? you know that in general as far as like power dynamics and structures kind of come in so that's yeah. like one of the photos yeah. and then so i kind of build these scenes out like right now i want to do something with the united arab emirates and qatar because qatar is hosting the world cup and they've been sanctioned from the rest of the middle east because of like that fake internet breach that hezbollah started like mm. a year ago um so no one's doing trade with them and so they've started trying to like you know say besides having the world cup that they have a lot going on so they created this like booming dairy industry okay but like dairy doesn't make sense in qatar there's like uh -huh. no green grass so they're like importing all this shit and cows <laughs> and i really want to have Maybe they put the cows on the soccer fields yeah well that's kind of what i'm thinking for the photo is like okay like soccer fields astroturf in the fucking desert so i want to have the image be um the opec minister of qatar like on a soccer field, sitting on a soccer ball, milking a cow. I want to like <laughs> rent a cow and get it into the set. And I want him to be milking the cow and the udders to be kind of like squirting milk in his face, like a cum shot. Uh -huh. So I kind of want a, <laughs> a milk oh, cum I got shot. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like how my brain works. And then I just kind of make the costumes and get the people all in there and set it up. And yeah. I take the photograph and then the photo is kind of the final product. You know, 
Qatar might not a have a dairy industry, but you know what they do have? What? A Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh, I know. It's so <laughs> wild. My friend's been actually, who teaches at VCU, has been to Qatar twice. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah to yeah. do projects there. I mean, it's like all these... Um, like art schools are kind of trying to do these flagship institutions. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, where's frontier. where's NYU's one? It's in uh, isn't that Abu Dhabi? Abu Dhabi. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. We have a RISD Abu Dhabi. <laughs> really? Yeah. Aren't there only like there's like four students there. How many students are there at RISD proper? Like four thousand? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if we expanded? <laughs> yeah, we have an exchange program. Oh wow, that's cool. So like all four kids from there get to come to the states, and yeah. then you send four. Like a I don't kid even know if we send people. <laughs> I don't think we actually send students to Abu Dhabi. Um, well, there's something uh, interesting in the works because, and I, I have seen it written about in a few different pieces where you were interviewed that talked about the work and they keep referencing um, these kind of like dynamics of BDSM. Mm-hmm. And when I first, you know, read that and kind of looked at them, I thought, well, no, this doesn't make any sense because isn't the whole, the whole core like tenet of BDSM is that there's like, that the exchange of power is consensual and right. it's like all about trust and all these things. And then, of course, then as I think about it longer, I have to be like, oh, well, these countries aren't like, uh, you know, the UN being dominated by somebody from Saudi Arabia is, I mean, it's actually, I mean, there's so much economic incentive that it's still consensual. Sure. I mean, it appears in its way that it's like, oh my God, Saudi Arabia is fucking the UN or something. Right. But it's like, no, the, the people in the UN are just like, well, we want to do this because it actually makes financial sense. Absolutely. <laughs> so and like, that's what's so It's very much about, about it. like an agreed power exchange, yeah. even if the performativity in public is such that it's like, we're furious right. with Saudi Arabia for acting like this. Right. When, no, you're not. <laughs> you're still partaking in it in every single way or form i mean like that's kind of that's how what i mean I to say is a very layered it kind of fucked with me when i was like well it's not bdsm yes it, mm. <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad i mean like yeah those are the nuances that i have a lot of fun with i'm like is it like is it not like what's right and my dad's really funny because he's always challenging me about stuff uh-huh. and he's like shayla like you need to think about this a little bit more like i call you tonight and we talk about <laughs> it about your art yeah all cool. the time like he always was like i don't know if bdsm is the right reference i think about it and i call you in a few hours <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do a little research on yeah, the computer Yeah, he does. First. Always. And he's always like trying to like, I called him the other day and he was like, I saw the article in Hyperallergic. We need to sit down and talk a little bit more about how you feel about like the sanctions. I think you did an articulate job talking about it, but I think we need to talk a little bit more. Well, cause, I mean, because your, your father is, and I don't think we haven't talked about this yet, but your father's no stranger to like political discourse. No, yeah. Like your parents were both political refugees from yes. iran right correct yeah, yeah and okay. my dad's so like he's... still very like politically active yeah and, like, he's, relevant. This is, he's not like a, a weird dad who's like i don't understand your abstract painting it's <laughs> like well you're my like interest in these runs deep so but yeah that's cool to have like a, a way to have him feel an investment like i'm sure he's very proud to just be like oh my daughter is doing this like it's funny thing with, like the same stuff like what i tried to raise her with and like you know explain like that's cool it's funny he sent me an email like you know like being middle eastern like being iranian like parents are very demanding and like you know growing up like the biggest thing was like if my dad was proud of me i was like wow like i did something right uh-huh. and you know like he's i can tell that he's been proud of me but the other day he sent me this email between him and his like friend um that's also iranian that like teaches at yale and uh-huh. he was like oh like manager like i saw an interview that shada did it seems like you know you instilled your politics in her and <laughs> he like sent me the reply uh. that he sent back and he was like yes Asghar, like i think she is finally finding her voice <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'm like oh my god like that means he's proud of me like it's so cute uh. 
That's really cool. And your your mom was an artist, right? She's actually she was a nurse. Artistic. She's artistic. Yeah, she's never actually like an artist. She was a nurse. Um, You can be an artist if it if you don't have a gallery. That's right. You could be an artist without having academic training yeah. who knew but she was encouraging knew. of that in you right oh yeah. absolutely yeah. well i mean i, I was just kind of i had like a fucking freak childhood like i was allowed <laughs> to have toys i had to like make all my own toys my mom laid me like demented dolls and like they were uh-huh. creepy and like my dad's a scientist and like you know, my mom would read, try to rehabilitate birds and they'd die. And so then we'd do dissections with them instead. And like my first toy was a to- like microscope. I don't know. Like all those things kind of played into it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah, my mom definitely like she was a nurse. Like there was a while where um, she was working in a village hospital delivering babies and a lot of them were stillborn. And like, you know, a lot of the moms like wouldn't even want them. They would just like want the bodies thrown away and wow. she would like preserve them in jars and like do paintings <laughs> of them. She recently drew me a map of where she buried all the jars of the dead babies. Just if in I ever, case. Yeah. If I yeah. ever go to Iran, I can yeah. now follow this map and oh my god have you dig them up <laughs> has your mom been to the Mutter museum oh my god no my dad and i went that place <laughs> is just, so wild i just went a little bit ago it's so the, good. well the weird thing is i don't like i can't watch in a movie um i can't watch someone like administer a shot to someone mm? in a movie i can't hmm. fucking see it i can't watch gore movies i can't i just don't hmm. i don't want to fucking see it and weirdly i was not i mean there were a couple things that i was like ew nasty you know or like whoa wow creepy or like this or that but i was like fine at the Motor museum like curated and it looks like a curio cabinet so it almost looks like yeah. it's like a steampunk art piece it's very fucking steampunk there <laughs> it's extremely yeah. steampunk there it's woo did you know <laughs> the maybe, lighting too um i've made this claim before and i'm gonna make it again all sculpture is steampunk that is my <laughs> tell me yeah, why i just it is i don't know it just seems like <laughs> I don't know. They're just like putting things together that don't need to go together mm. um, to like just think about what if things were different. That's kind of like the premise <laughs> of steampunk. I'll take it. <laughs> it's I'll like, take that yeah, as that's what all sculpture is. All sculpture is steampunk. Um, um, and speaking of Iran, and I, I, you've talked about this a bunch, but you, there was a, you're probably not going to go there, right? I'm For the exiled. foreseeable future. I'm exiled. Right. I got my uh, passport sent back to me with a big red X over my face. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I think I might make a zine out of it with is all that... the death threats that I got. That's because of the art that you make. Yeah. These are people on the spreading other... false information about the government. Okay, so. these are people on the other side of the world who can't fucking handle that like a young woman is making like oh, no. photos and showing them to a limited audience of <laughs> art people. Yeah. And that's how That's how they react. That is uh It's pretty funny though. Like hashtag at first, male I was, like... tears. <laughs> so fragile <laughs> it was funny at first because like i started getting all of these like emails from people in iran and i uh, thought like you know i was like wow people are like emailing me like yeah, it's yeah. so exciting like, and then it turned out like that i'm they a were, famous like, artist yeah like, like wow people you. from my home country and then oh, like they're all like and they're funny though it's getting to the point where like i read them and like i just can't help but laugh yeah like the la- one of the last ones that i got was um this guy was like Oh, like if I see you, you know, if you ever come here, um, there's this thing tiki tiki which is like we cut you apart piece by piece. Tiki tiki is like piece by piece, and like I was just reading that, and I was like, wow, that's like so poetic, like yeah. cool. I mean, <laughs> on like a real level, though, how do you? Doesn't that doesn't fuck with you? Yeah, it does absolutely. Because okay. I like if somebody says something mean to me on Twitter, I like. But yeah, I mean, how do you? Is it just that? 
that only amplifies to you the importance of like, well, clearly if this Absolutely. is upsetting these people, then this needs to be said. Yeah. I mean, like also I have the positionality that I can Yeah, in Iran. If people wanted to like Atene Faradani in 2014 made an illustration of um, politicians with boat heads mm-hmm. and that was enough to get her arrested because the drawing had Ahmadinejad represented as a goat. Like, but he was still wearing a suit. He was a very well-dressed goat. <laughs> Does he not know that goat means greatest of all time? I mean, come, like, on. come on, dude. <laughs> and so she got arrested for that. And like, it's not uncommon. I mean, like the Ministry of Intelligence is constantly trolling people's Facebooks to uh-huh. make sure they're not like insulting Muhammad, Jesus. you know? So I am in a place like, yes, it means I'll never be able to like visit my home country and like go to the place where the only place that I could speak my language besides yeah. like LA. Um, <laughs> and... But that's like that's a risk that I'm willing to take because, you know, like that would be putting my personal like wants and needs before things that I think are like important. And I really love making people angry when it comes to that (laughs) stuff. Like I like being like feisty. It seems like you're pissing off the right people. I want to piss people off. Like I feel like if my work is like complacent and people are just like even here, like if people are like like my recent piece that's in the show that opens tomorrow, there's a Jimmy Carter reference in there. Mm-hmm. And I think Jimmy Carter is like the darling of the liberals. People are like, Oh, like Carter was so nice. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? Like no one's fucking safe. <laughs> like I just kind of want to go after like anyone and everyone that I can. Yeah. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, that's why good on you. Eh, well, let's um, see how long. <laughs> well, who, uh, so. is there anybody, um, is there anybody who's working today, like younger artists whose work you're really fond of that you think that people should check out? Shout out to a few of my students. My like, you know, I don't want to pick favorites. Not that the ones that I'm shouting out are my favorites. You're just the ones that come to mind that have made some great work. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabrina Clark um, made this really great fountain piece of um, Aunt Jemima squirting maple syrup out of her boobs because a lot of um, enslaved black women were wet nurses for white children mm-hmm. and she's skirting syrup out of her boobs into the mouths of white children. Jesus. And she did it on Market Square, which is a contentious point in Providence because Risty says that it was not an auction site. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. that was a really great project. Okay. Um, another one of my students, she's a Craigslist ho on IG. Um, another one of my students, Qualisha Wood, who's just Qualisha um, on IG, is making some really beautiful print work. Um yeah who else i mean those are the first two that come to mind i like the shout out to the students though they're so fucking smart we don't need to plug our goddamn peers yeah they're doing (laughs) (laughs) no but i think there's some good ones out there too no but that's cool and the fact that you work with your students is like uh that they come on and you hire them as assistants and things like that like it's a it's a cool thing and i think that sort of loops back nicely to just like when i was asking about if the teaching is part of your practice and it's like it seems like because your art has a lot to do with activism and all, all of these things kind of go hand in hand that it makes sense that they're sort of in concert with each other. Totally. Um, so your show is up at Q for what, like a month, six weeks, yeah, something like that? Yeah, July 14th. Okay, cool. So yeah, people it have, tomorrow. Yeah. Well, There's we're like, in the, this is going to come out on Sunday, so uh, it opened on Tuesday. It opened already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so people can go and check out the show. Cool. And it's going to, it's in Atlanta too right now. It's in Atlanta until July 29th. That's okay. the bigger version. So this show at Q has four of the large scale photographs okay. out of like, you know, the 14 that I've already made and yeah. four smaller pieces that are like kind of cameos. Um, and the whole entire space is painted OPEC blue. Whoa. So, so it implicates the organization. 
that's kind of a new experiment I tried for the show and I'm pretty excited about it. Nice. And is there somewhere, I know you talked about this earlier, but is it going somewhere next that people should keep? Yeah. So uh, medium of exchange, the whole entire series, hopefully, I mean, there'll probably still be some that aren't done yet. That'll be opening in London at the end of October at a Dallas Santi. Okay. Um, and then I'll be doing a little kind of iteration of it with my gallery in Chicago, Andrew Rafis. And then in January, 2019, it'll be going to Detroit at library street collective. Mm-hmm. Nice, my daddy's hometown. Yee, I love Detroit. I miss it so much. <laughs> oh yeah, you went to. Well, I'm Nick Cranbrook's not Detroit. I lived in Detroit. I used <laughs> to live on that fucking campus. Know, it's I'm a just, bubble. I'm just I mean, it's an idyllic bubble. Yes, it's but, beautiful. Yes. Lots of textiles. Yes, isn't that what? That's oh one yeah, things are famous for. Like, okay. <laughs> um, well, Shada, thank you so much for coming by and spending some time with me today. Thanks for and having talking me. About your work. I want to encourage anybody in New York go see Shada's show, uh, Medium of Exchange, at the Q Art Foundation. I'll put the dates and a link to it in the episode description. Um, and just uh, one last thing for all of you who listened to the episode for last week from last week rather uh, I apologize once again for recording that on my laptop mic I told Shada before we did this that I made that mistake and I've kept a careful eye on my audio input for this one so um, I think we did it yeah Shada thank you so much thank Uh, you wish you all the best I'm excited for the show thanks cool we'll catch y'all next week (laughs) 